0: What advice do you have for college students who are graduating now, who will be starting off their professional lives in coming weeks, in terms of how to figure out if a company's culture is going to be human-centered or
1: not? You know, it can start as simple as just looking at a company's website and seeing where does culture fall in their navigation, or people, our people. Or when you click on about, are they just listing off their C-suite instead of the people who are actually building the product? Or is it like a life app page? Just see how culture and people are prioritized on a website. Because those businesses, I guarantee you, went through the same exercises that you would in a web design project. You're going through information hierarchy and you're determining what is the most important thing that someone should see first on that page. Is it our work? Is it something for investors? Just see after a business has gone through that Application of design on their own brand, or their own site, where do they value people? Where do they value those who are doing the work? Where do they value their culture? So that's step one. I and, mean, you know, that might seem like the most simple thing, but I'll tell you what, that is such a tell about how businesses value culture, how they value their people above the bottom line. Of course, you know, keeping the lights on is important, but keeping those who are actually doing the work supported and happy is just as important. And that's step one. In the interview process, Everyone is going to be remote now We'll slowly be returning to work in various capacities over the coming months. But assume you're going to be interviewing remotely at this point. How engaged are those people who are interviewing you? Are they checking their phone? Are they late? Are they on time? When you ask a question of a given person, assume you're going to be interviewing with more than one person, ask them the same question. What is something you could have done better on a project and see how different people respond or ask about how they would describe the culture and see how different people respond. And You'll get a sense of what is valued most from senior levels down to levels below that of how they view culture, how they view how their team creates. If you're interviewing in person over the coming months, just observe the space. A lot of design, human centered design, is observation. What do you see around you? Apply those skills of observation that you're going to need. Are people scurrying off to meetings with furrowed brows? Are people sitting on couches or having a pleasant conversation or a cup of coffee? Like, do you see, just observe those moments, capture those moments of human interaction around you. I make a joke about this, but this actually happened to me where I saw cots on the floor in a place I was interviewing at. I'm like, why are there cots here? (laughs) Oh my God. People had to sleep there sometimes to get something out the door. And like I said before, in an abusive relationship, you just get used to unhealthy behaviors being the norm. And those people there thought nothing of it. And I was like, good God, what am I seeing? So just pay attention to the space around you and see what you glean from it. Everyone's worried. Does my breath smell okay? Do I have sweaty palms? Take that observation off yourself for a moment and give yourself a break and just apply it to what's going on around you. And you'll get a sense of a day in the life as it unfolds.
0: Such a great point. You actually have a section in your book about how to do a job interview so that it's more of a mutual dialogue and not an inquisition.
1: Yeah, it's much less about grilling someone. And it's a conversation at that point. Like Someone has come into the office and applied for this role. And that's something to be appreciated, that they're potentially trusting you and trusting you with their career and their livelihoods and the evolution of their role. So at that point, it's less me rattling off my questions. It's more a dialogue. And I want to make sure this person is at ease at that point if, you know, they might be uncomfortable. And interviewing is a challenging thing. I've been in rooms before of eight to 10 people and I'm sitting at one end of the boardroom and they're sitting at another end. I mean, if you think in like a ridiculous cinematic sense or I've been in one-on-one things in cafes where the person is taking steps to make sure that we're not in an office setting and we are conversing over a cup of coffee and they pick up the tab and all those little nuggets of just it being about two people talking at that point, you can feel it. When you have a connection like that, when you have an an interview experience like that, just before we went into shelter in place, I had a couple roles open on my team for a researcher and designer. And there was one day when the snow was about to hit. It didn't even hit yet. And I had the recruiter reach out in advance. And if it was okay with this person, because I know they had reserved time on their schedule, I asked them to not come in because I didn't know if they're commuting by a bus or if they were driving in from the suburbs or what. But I asked them not to in case there was a colossal snowstorm that hit. And when the person ultimately did come in for the interview, they expressed tremendous appreciation for that. Thank you for thank you for thinking about me. Thank you for thinking about my well-being. And That person ultimately ended up, it was a mutual fit between them and myself and the team. So they ended up taking the role. But you can be human-centered with someone before you even come in the office, is what I'm saying. And those are all kind of things you can be cognizant of as you're looking for your next role. Those are
0: great examples. And I think the flip side is that there are also potential red flags that our young listeners could watch out for, should watch out for in the job interview itself. What are some of those red flags that you would be listening for, Justin, to give you a sense of, yikes, this is definitely not a place I'd want to hang my hat?
1: Sure. I cited some things before that some are almost comical examples that actually happen, like I said, with a cot thing or some are a little more nuanced. Like I said, if you're interviewing someone, are they looking at their phone or are they focused on me throughout the interview? So there are more nuanced examples as well. But you know, some people might say if they mention sales in the role, then you're, you're more or less in sales at that point, which is something that may or may not be applicable that I've heard before in an interview process. Or are they mentioning are your hours flexible? And you can think about that in terms of you're going to be here after five o'clock. I, one time I had an interview and they interviewed me at 530, which I thought was really weird. And to them, it was like absolutely nothing. The office was packed at 530 or six o'clock. And I thought they were doing that for me because I had to come from another role. But I mean, they were all in the office till eight o'clock every night. So that was a cue I absolutely missed. I whiffed on that one. I was a little more a junior in my career. And I can tell you that now watch for the time of day that people are interviewing you because it might be commonplace for them to be there after hours, which ultimately leads to them not being respectful of a work-life balance. One other tip I would mention is have questions queued up of things that are important to you. Is working remotely important to you? Is a flexible schedule important to you? And see what kind of answers you get as a red flag. Are you getting flop sweat in response? Are you getting immediate responses that speak to well thought out plans? So just have things lined up that are important to you beyond where do you see yourself in five to seven years as a business? That's important. But think about what's important to you and what those responses ultimately yield.
0: One of my many concerns about the millions of people being unemployed and young people graduating and looking for jobs in this kind of economic environment is that they may feel even more anxious about not wanting to come across as demanding or someone who's going to be perceived as high maintenance. How can they extract the information they need without it backfiring on them?
1: I think it's, it's just good to be honest and put your cards on the table. If you do have circumstances that require being high maintenance, maybe you need to, you know, four o'clock is your stopping point on a given day because that's when aftercare stops at school and you have to pick up your son or your daughter then. And these are just things common to people's lives and their existence. And that's not high maintenance at all. I mean, there are a lot of things that are just common requests. Or if you're pregnant, you have a mother's re- that's not a high maintenance. That's just a part of life. And has a business put a thought to those things? I think just laying your cards out on the table and things that relate to life and should not be considered high maintenance are just inherent in, in our existence as human beings. The reception that those things are met with are incredibly telling to what kind of business it is and what you're you know ultimately in for if you signed up with them.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you